Hi, I'm Jeremy. I'm a dork living in Portland, Oregon, who spent too many years listening to podcasts and not doing anything creative. This is my attempt to rectify that, to create and contribute something where I talk to people about their cultural obsessions and try to give some recommendations of my own. Welcome to Giving the Mic to the Wrong Person. Somebody robbed the fire on a mountain, like with a gun. Really? Like, somebody actually wow. went in and did an armed robbery at fire on the mountain. Um, like during the day or at night or something? I or? think in the evening. Okay. I'm not entirely sure. But um, the conversation so quickly deteriorated because somebody said, do they have a better description? Were they white guys or, you know, not? And then everyone lost their shit. And so I'm like skimming and skimming and skimming. And then suddenly there's this like, hey, maybe you should go back to Walmart and buy some more big white sheets. Like, okay, wow. This deteriorated quickly. Yeah, it goes for, yeah. <laughs> and Next Floor is kind of like that. It's kind of insane that way. There was, yeah, somebody was, I think somebody was complaining about that, about how you have this excellent service, which can turn turns into... Um, a way to learn to hate your neighbors. Yeah, it yeah. just it, you know how to exhibit the most um, entitled, aggravate, aggravated entitlement uh, possible. Especially because we are in the same neighborhood, we are lumped in the same neighborhood as the people that actually own houses on Hawthorne. So uh, yeah, they are not the the happiest, uh, healthiest people, entitlement wise. <laughs> anyway. Work. All right, so. Um, have we been recording this whole time? Yeah, I just turned the recorder on. Oh, hi. Do we record it? Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Giving the Mic to the Wrong Person. I am Jeremy, I, and uh, I would like to welcome uh, my. Uh, I'd like to welcome my guest, Mary Suzanne, to the proceedings here. Hello. Am I the wrong person, or are you? Um, it kind of varies per show. <laughs> okay, I'm fine with that. And Mary, I believe our topic today, we're going to talk about uh, kind of our shared fandom of British television. Uh, my own, I can, I'll start with my own history because, hey, it's my show. My own history is, you know, growing up as a suburban white nerd, you get exposed to the, uh, I want to say, the you get exposed to everything that Nickelodeon ran to, the, you know, there's always Doctor Who, which, you know, I could watch because even just the opening freaked me out. To you know, then eventually, when you are you know when you're when you are an adolescent, you find out about Monty Python, and that just kind of opens the door. Yeah. Uh, later on, I think the, the, my more the more um, call it my more modern fandom started, or at least was resumed when you know thanks to BitTorrent being a thing, and discovering BitTorrent when I uh, because when I moved out here in '04, and BitTorrent was, and did not have cable, but wanted to watch The Daily Show because it was in the middle of the election season. So that's how I used needed to learn BitTorrent. And from there, uh, on the same site, they would have because BitTorrent in the UK is a hell of a lot more popular than it was here, and everything that got transmitted over there would immediately get encoded, put online, and then back over here. Thank God for the internet. Yeah, is this you know the uh, source of and solution to all of life's problems? Exactly. Yes. So should I tell you my British nerdetry? Go for it. Uh, so I grew up. I was born here in Portland, but I grew up in San Francisco. We had uh, a public uh, public TV, the the PBS local PBS that ran. Um, Are you being served? And Doctor Who, and I think keeping up appearances and then also um 
oh, and I'm going to blank on this. It was a show about, it was a very, very 70s British show um, about a couple who decide to go off the grid. Oh, um. Yeah, see, you know what I'm talking about? And then their next door neighbor, Margo, who is, uh, ended up being to the manor born. Oh, uh, the, not I'm, the good, not, it was, it's the not good, the good, the good, it's life. good life. Okay, the good yes. Life, yes. And so between that and the fact that somewhere along the line, I ended up obsessed with Douglas Adams. Like, I had the entire box set of the radio show of, of uh, like, in, in like when I was six or seven, the radio show of, of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. My father at the uh, at the time was working for Pricewaterhouse, and he would fly back and forth, and he would bring me, like, because a lot of this stuff, Terry Pratchett and Douglas Adams everything, the books came out six months earlier in Britain than here. Mm-hmm. And so I had all the books six months before anyone else, which was awesome. Um, and then... I found out that there was a Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy TV show, which was marginal, but awesome. I mean, mar- not marginal, but it was... People go off about how do- Doctor Who is, like, cheap and looks well, kind of cheesy. Yeah, wobbly sets, I believe. The, uh... Clearly, these people have never seen the, do- the, uh, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy TV show. Because or... it was... Like, the like Zaphod's second head would just flop around for no reason. Yeah. It was adorable, and I loved it. Or later seasons of Blake 7. Yes, there you go. Yeah, so I it started from there, and um, then basically anytime I could get my grubby little paws on anything, mm-hmm. I would that was even remotely British, even if it was terrible, I would watch it. And then I ended up getting to uh, travel back and forth to London a bunch of times because of my father's job, and it was a toss-up between wandering around London and just sitting in the hotel room and watching TV all day because I was so enamored. And to this day, I'm still the hugest fucking nerd. I'm, I'm allowed to swear. Oh. Certainly. Oh, fuck yeah. Um, I'm the just fucking nerd for yeah. Anglophile stuff. Still hopelessly in love with Stephen Fry. Still hopelessly in love with Douglas Adams. I have a weakness for very tall, very brilliant British men who are unavailable. So it's basically Stephen Fry, gay and married. Never met him. Mm-hmm. Douglas Adams, married and dead. Mm-hmm. And uh, Graham Chapman, gay, married and dead. So, <laughs> yeah, that's my personal curse. And that's how I kind of fell down that rabbit hole and never came back out. I think I'm trying to remember if my first experience of Hitchhiker's Guide to the No, I remember my first, my in, my introduction to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was um see uh encountering encountering uh the second novel restaurant at the end at the beginning of the universe at the end of the universe mm-hmm. just having a really weird hardback cover encountering that at the at a used book sh- book sale at the local library and it mentioned on the back like you know because it mentioned it mentioned monty python on there and got it there and then i think at one point because my own father um was you know got had gotten us a an Apple II cloned very early on so well, I had oh, the text did you have, adventure you had the game oh yes I had Jealous. the um, oh yes and so I I I played the game I played the Hitchhiker the Hitchhiker game before I read the novel oh wow did and, you ever get Starship Titanic uh it is I think where is it it's somewhere around here the, the, there's a the book and then there's the game that the book was sort of semi based on. Right. So I never got to play Starship or the Titanic game or whatever. Uh, some I, th- I unless yeah, un- unless I unless I sold it, it is sitting in one of the boxes <laughs> that I was trying to sell from at uh, at the local Frankenstein's comic swap a couple months ago. Which is like I said, it, it, for those who don't know, okay. in gentle listeners, if you saw his house, you would understand why it's somewhere over there in a box. Yeah. 
It's we we yeah. This, this is basically this. Your house is it, it looks like what I think the inside of your brain looks like. Uh, not as brightly lit, but <laughs> it's kind of wonderful. I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. I walked in. I'm like, oh yeah, that makes sense. There we go. Yeah, yeah welcome to our uh, you know our our lovely uh, northeast Portland apartment. So, um, Douglas Adams worked with Monty Python guys mm-hmm. back in the day. Um, I have a book called, I think it's like the history of footlights or something like that. And had a bunch of and really great, you know, history of the footlights brigade and the food. And, and then it, there was the crossover, um, the next generation of footlights that was with, um, oh, I can't remember what the other the other major college was but Rowan Atkinson was in the other one and so there's all, that's that little weird crossover between between Monty Python and Douglas Adams and then Rowan Atkinson in that crowd and that book is fantastic remind me to loan it to you if you don't have it uh, so oh it's, it, it, and could you remind us again who the footlights were footlights were Cambridge I think I so believe, Cambridge. Yeah. Um, and it was so everybody in Monty Python this is my understanding and please feel free to email me terrible angry things if I'm wrong my understanding is everybody in Monty Python uh, majored in something else but then just sort of gravitated towards the comedy troupe group that was part of Cambridge and you have to you have to audition for it two two? Di- uh, no no uh, I think there were two different colleges a couple of them met. You got to remember because they, they uh, a couple of them met there, but the the Footlights crew were more um, Stephen Fry, Hugh Laurie, Ben Elton, and Emma Thompson, weren't they? Yeah, but that was the next generation. Okay, that was after. the next generation. That yeah, but it was the same troop. I mean, it was, it's like an ongoing thing that's right. always been going on forever. Okay, I always I always heard that they'd gotten they'd 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 somehow met like a, a couple of them had met there, and then a couple other guys. You know, you had a couple guys in Cambridge, a couple guys in Oxford, and kind of the Oxford, I believe, was the uh, the um, Rowan Atkinson faction. Okay, and the like not the nine not the five o'clock news, not the nine o'clock news. That, not the nine o'clock not news. Not the nine o'clock yes. news. People were that my understanding, and again, American girl, what the fuck do I know? Um, but. Uh, Douglas Adams was there as a writer. He also wrote, uh, um, uh, he wrote for Doctor Who back in the day. He did a one that was never created, but you can find the um, you can find the script for uh, Shada. Shada, which they eventually released. They released the Is novelization it? of, yeah, as well as um, a radio show. I think they did an audio. They also did a. Um, I think they also did in. This before the before the Doctor Who reboots, I believe at one point the BBC commissioned and what was effectively a flash animation using Colin Baker kind of oh, um, like that adap- does sound familiar. adapting the script. This would have been about oh three or so. Yeah, I think right about the t- um, right when like the big finish Doctor Who audios were getting started up before the official uh, reboot, I guess, became a thing in oh five. Well, this brings us very neatly to something that I wanted to ask you about, which is Dirk Gently. Mm-hmm. So um, I absolutely love the books. I have the books on tape read by the author, and it's wonderful and comforting. And because I get to hear Douglas Adams' voice, and I'm again, like I said, hopelessly in love with him because he's impossible, and I love impossible men. Um, a few years ago, they did Stephen Mangan, and I always blank on his name. The very tall, beautiful, blonde British actor who was also in a show called Spy that was really hilarious. And in Hippies. And he was in Hippies, yes. That guy, and I freaking love him. Um, and Stephen Mangan was Dirk Gently. And the very first episode was so 
so Dirk Gently because there was a cat, there was time travel, there's the fundamental interconnectedness of all things. They even, you know, referred to, you know, the fight over the, the refrigerator. Um, fun factoid, Douglas Adams' daughter, Polly, had a walkthrough cameo on that. So Sounds about right. So meanwhile, now, evidently they're doing another Douglas Adams, which is more of a BBC America thing, which makes me a little nervous. So And also the guy that they have playing... I'm sorry, Douglas said Dirk Gently. So now that the guy they have playing Dirk Gently is sort of a, he looks sort of like a kind of aimless hipster. And, you know, to be fair, I'm, as, I'm in Portland, so yeah, I've got enough of that shit. As was the style of the time. Yeah. Um, but, um, and I'm like, oh God, this can't be good. But it's got um, Elijah Wood. And I will literally watch anything he's in. If he wants to read the phone book for three hours, I will sit there for three hours and watch him read the phone because I freaking love Elijah Wood. But still, still currently in Portland, I believe. Oh, because he's been what? he's been he, he's been he's been fil- I think cited filming. A, it, I don't know about in the last couple of weeks, but at least earlier the summer was cited repeatedly um, because he is he is filming around here. Why am I sitting in your house instead of stalking him? This is a bad decision on my part. Because you foolishly agreed to come over. Haha. <sighs> Damn it. Okay, I know what I'm doing after this. Um, so, uh, this is something I, I would like your opinion on. I, I, I love the, the, uh, the Dirk Gently books. I quote them to people who don't know what the hell I'm talking about on a regular basis. I evidently just hum, don't pick it up, pick it up, don't pick it up, pick it up, hot potato, don't pick it up, pick it up. You know, and people look at me like I'm crazy because I probably am. And I really like the Stephen Mangan thing the one but the thing is much as i love i love um i love my little hobbit boyfriend elijah wood yeah this new one does not look like it's like it's really dirk gently for one thing do you remember dirk gently was supposed to be sort of a rumpled pudgy unkempt guy right Um, A, a douglas adams character yeah um, which who I always kind of pictured as a very young uh, version of um, oh, who's the guy in Robert Roger Rabbit? Oh, um, Eddie Valiant. No, Bob Hoskins. Yes, <laughs> both of those. Yes, I imagine him as a very young Bob Hoskins. And then I watched the trailer, and there's this hipster guy wearing like a yellow jacket and bright red pants, and he's being all like unkempt, but unkempt in a very hipster way. And I'm like, mm, I don't know, BBC America, you've done some stuff in the past that make me want to question you so, uh do you know do you have an opinion about this uh i haven't not actually watched the trailer mm. um but i just doing a quick look up on imdb the guy's name is samuel barnett guess how old is he he is he's probably like 12 he's 33 uh, well i'm old so that seems young to me so <laughs> see dude was in penny dreadful dude was in uh I'm sure he's great. I'm sure he's great at all <laughs> he was, of his stuff. I'm just, he was in Jupiter Ascending, so um, huh? Okay. Let's see if there's anything anything else of note on his on his filmography. Uh, looking up Samuel Samuel Barnett's uh, blah 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 tomorrow. Two pints of lager and a packet of crisps. He was oh, a voice okay. in Fable Three, um, Crooked House. He was on John, the John Adams miniseries. I still haven't seen that menu too because it's supposed to be really good. And doctors and it looks like he's probably a, a perfectly good actor. It's just I don't. It's like and on an episode on, on and on an episode of Coupling way back when playing a sex shop assistant. Oh, 
I remember coupling, I loved coupling, the British coupling. The American coupling was meh. The British coupling was awesome. Um, the thing about Douglas Adams, here's where Mary Suzanne waxes rhapsodic. The thing about Douglas Adams, in my opinion, this is just me, and again, send your hate mail to Dev Null. You kind of, by virtue of being a Douglas Adams fan, you kind of have to accept that there is no one storyline. Right. Because he never even wrote one storyline. He Even Hitchhiker's of the Galaxy had at least three or four different distinct storylines, and they're all completely valid. Right. And I know that rubs nerds the wrong way, because they want to either know for a fact that it's canon, or know for a fact that this is a different timeline. Right. There so, are there are downsides to basing your identity on the uh, on the on the flavor of uh, pop culture you consume. Yeah. So I, you know, I and I, I loved the movie, you know. I, I did not actually see it. You didn't? Oh, I, no. I have it on DVD. I should loan it to you. Oh, all right, then. Or you can download it or whatever. It's, yeah. It's, I really liked it, even though it has a what's-her-name in it, and she's like, meh, whatever. She's not the trillion I would have had. But Zoe Deschanel? Yes. She's not She's not the trillion I would have chosen, but she's a decent trillion. Hmm. Um, but also, uh, Maz Def, damn. That boy could be in anything, and I'd be like, yep, that that's good. Awesome. I just wandered off into Maz Def land. It's easy to do. Sorry, I'm a woman of a certain age, so now I'm just telling you who's hot. All right, and on that note, we will take a quick break and be right back at this. Uh, I'm Jeremy talking with Mary Suzanne here about British TV, ostensibly, and we'll be back right after this. And we're back. Thanks to a nice little musical break there provided by provided by the Elisis Micron. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the Elisis Micron. You can buy uh, available through Craigslist from a guy down the street who has painted a lot of it silver for some strange reason. And you have to fix some of the knobs, but it is still available and it's a good little analog um, synthesizer simulator. Hooray for Craigslist. I'm really happy that you didn't get murdered while you were buying it. Um, if Craigslist was a more constant source of murder, this town would, you know, burst into flames oh. from the, uh, you know, it's like, it's like having no highways. Like it's, you know, it'd be a critical lack of infrastructure. <laughs> uh, our topic is, what the hell is our topic? Oh yeah. British TV. British TV. I should, I should say, um, you are a fan enough because of, in the, of your many inkings, you are where, what you have at least two, <laughs> three. I have, uh, um, I have. A Douglas Adams. Actually, I have two Douglas Adams, three Doctor Who. Um, this is a Pink Floyd, so it sort of counts as British. What era of Pink Floyd? Uh, wish you were here. Oh, all right it then. Was, uh, it's for a friend of mine who died, and they play that as a funeral. So excellent. Boom. That is the song that got me. That is the song that got me into playing acoustic guitar when I was fifteen. Oh, when um, when he died, there are so many things that he loved that he never got to see, and so now every time I see what like the, he died before the iPad, he died before, you know all of this awesome technology and so now every time i see it i take a picture of the tattoo in front of the thing because it just just to remind me of him excellent that's a nice little and he was also a tv nerd he was the one that actually sent me at, at one point the um the definitive list of how to watch buffy and angel in order so that you are watching it like like it, it combs together perfectly mm -hmm. and he did that on his own <laughs> wow, uh, he did, I think he—I don't think he did it before anyone else. Oh, so did, can too. you tell us his name or? His name was Todd Larison. Oh, okay. And he's was absolutely wonderful, and I love him, and I miss him, and wish you were here. So, um, but he was also—he was also a huge nerd, and he got all my jokes. So I, but anyway, I have a uh, 
Douglas Adams, this was my uh, towel day tattoo. He says, we apologize for the inconvenience. Um, I've got this, which is a Douglas Adams and um, uh, Doctor Who and Neil Gaiman tattoo because it says I may not have gone where I expected to go, but I always ended up where I needed to be. But it's also mixed with uh, with with the, with the referring to the the Starry Night episode, yes. isn't it? Yeah, but also um, the way that it's Neil Gaiman is because in the Doctor's Wife, Neil Gaiman quoted the the Douglas Adams line, where he said, "You never took me where I wanted to go," and she said, "I've always took it took you where you needed to be." And so it's sort of all three. So it's a nice... Which is also a very much a Dirk Gently thing. Yeah. Yeah. Following the yellow citron. Do you remember that go. part? Um, that was from, that's from the first book, is the it not? The first book, yeah. He's the like, if you can't figure out where you're going, just pick a random car and follow it, and the odds are you're going to go where you wanted to go. First book came out when in, what, 89, 90? Something like that. Uh, the first book came out, I can remember getting it from the local B. Dotton or Little Professor <laughs> when... The, when um, uh, there used to, you know, kid, uh, long ago, kids, these things called malls used to have, you know, small bookstore chains in there that did not have coffee machines. So there's a book, bookstore is like an Amazon, except that you physically can pick up a book and look at it. And then they have some angry people working there. Oh, they, Usually they, with opinions. Oh, they, you know, they are, yeah, they, there are still some bookstores left, uh, although the, the, the larger ones sell uh, more Legos than you would be, than you would expect, which is probably a good thing. But This reminded me of something that I meant to tell you. What's that? Which I maybe should have done before we started. No um, I have a friend who is also obsessed with black books and, and, um, um, and Dylan Moran, who, by mm -hmm. the way, is coming to Portland. I already Looking have like tickets. November, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I already have tickets. Okay. It'll be the second time I've seen him. Love him. Um, and she told me about a bookstore in town, which I will tell you um, off the mic, which one it is, where the owner is so exactly Dylan Moran, well, Bernard Black, that he actually... A, a Dylan Moran, he's effectively a Dylan Moran character. Yes. But he evidently he's enough of a character that people bring this up to him and he gets mad and throws you out. If you say, oh my God, you remind me of Ber Bernard Black, he's like, get out of my fucking store. And now, so I need to go there. And she's been there several times, and she's like, he likes me. I'm like, well, you know, really cute, so of course he likes me. But, so, yeah, there is a guy. There is evidently a burning black near our house, our houses in Portland. I will tell you where later, because I don't want people to listen to this and go across to the poor man. More than likely, if you're local and you hear this, well, of course, if you hear this, 99% of you listening to this are local. Um <laughs> Yeah it's, it's, yeah, it's kind of like my ultimate goal for the podcast is just at some point just keep doing these until somebody people, that isn't in Portland. <laughs> well, not just well, there's that, but people who don't people who don't necessarily know me per, or you know me or my guest personally, you know, will listen to it. It's kind of a you know my only uh, my only fear is not being compelling. So yeah, giving the wrong guy the mic. <laughs> Uh, bringing the, uh, the uh, I'll shed some more of my own I guess my own personal history uh, thanks to BitTorrent and uh, eventually you know discovering all this great stuff from um, you know catching up on older things but eventually I think um, once I finally got back into you know really I don't know how I did but at some point I just started I just started uh, just started watching the the uh, the David Tennant Doctor Who this would have been about I think in about 07 or so so you never watched Eccleston? No. Oh. After. After. It was definitely after. I think the um, it was because you, know, you got to because forever I can remember. I think growing up, Doctor Who was always the thing where 
the late Tom Baker, early Peter Davison era in that freaky analog. It's one of the reasons that that's that freaky opening, the uh, the you know the theme song, but that very particular version of the theme song, which of course you know made kids freak out, freaked me the hell out, made me hate uh, analog since forever to the point where like I couldn't listen to I couldn't listen to half of Wish You Were Here because you know, at one point it'll go in, yeah it'll go well, yeah it'll go into like Welcome to the Machine and like no screw this this is just bad memories. Um, <laughs> Yeah, once so you were one of the hide behind the couch kids. Something like that. Yeah, yeah ex- that's what they say in Britain. Is like the kids, and when they were, you know, like Peter, uh, sorry, uh, Peter Capaldi said that he was one of those kids that it would come on and he loved it, but he would hide behind the couch. Mm-hmm. He was scared. Another uh, another memory of like the, like I said that very particular weird era of early '80s Nickelodeon, where because uh, you know growing up, uh, lucky we were lucky enough to have cable. And I, I got cable when I was six, which means I got Nickelodeon when I was six. And so I got subject subject to early 80s Nickelodeon, which, since they needed programming, bought so much TENS television, um, which is how, like, that's how Danger Mouse was shown over here. Oh, that's how uh, Count Duckula. And, but I also have... Um, I think it was. I remember. I think it was the third eye. I remember. I remember seeing bits and pieces of that. But, but the Tomorrow Children, or is it the Tomorrow Children or the Tomorrow People? I think it's Tomorrow People. I, I don't it, know. I didn't see all of those because I didn't have cable. But I did have uh, friends who had MTV, mm-hmm. and when I went over to their house, I would watch the young ones, and we were like, "What the fuck is this? Oh my God!" And so we were obsessed with the young ones. But that was like the only non traditional sitcom right. that I could see. Though you know there's a new Danger Mouse that's been come that's been going on for like this is the first season of the reboot. Yes, they also brought back Tomorrow Children. Tomorrow oh, people. My husband was obsessed with uh, Danger Mouse. He found out it was happening. He's basically standing over me going, download it, download it, download it, download it, download it, download it. and it's um it's a bunch of really fantastic people that you've heard of on it. Excellent. Yeah, Good. Including Stephen Fry, just yeah, that's one of the things that they're always, you know... Just follow Stephen Fry through everything and it'll be fine. Well, yeah, it, uh, you, you um, especially as a, uh, you know, as we are non, we are not uh, non, um, you know, non-UK fans of UK TV, you learn that the um, Britain only has about six actors <laughs> and they show up in everybody else's stuff. But there are some I actually have on my list. There are some, uh, there are some actors who just have... A talent for picking amazing things. Olivia Coleman is one. Mm-hmm. If you just watch literally anything with Olivia Coleman or Tamsin Grieg, right? Either of them, you cannot fucking go wrong with that. Tamsin Grieg, uh, it, it's a, it's yeah, it's very easy to play six uh, six degrees of. You don't even think you need six. No, <laughs> you you not like a, okay. Tamsin Grieg was in Black Books with uh, the previously mentioned Black Books. Mm-hmm. Also in Green Wing. Green with, Wing is one of my with Stephen Stephen Mangan, who we mentioned before from Dirk Gently, and also in the same, which was also uh, in, in Green Wing with. Oh God, was it? Rees Hutt? What was this guy's? Oh, um, he's in Ju- Julian Rintut. I I can spell it, but I can't pronounce it. Julian Rintut. Yes. One of the most attractive things that's ever come out of Britain. Who was also in Hippies yes, with, with Stephen uh, Bingman. I can't, can't. And the guy, okay, well now it's going to drive me nuts until I look it up. Who, uh, um, it's, he was in a show called Spy. Uh, God, we are fucking professionals. Um, I never claim that. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Darren Boyd. Darren Boyd, yes. Darren Boyd, who was in a show, also who was in Hippies, and he was um, he was Macduff in uh, the Mangan version of Dirk Gently. He was also um, in a show called Spy, 
which um, also involved Robert Lindsay, who's been who was in that kind of cheesy, but I still watched it all the time. Um, My family with a. Um, yeah, it's kind Didn't of see it. Yeah, it's kind of cheesy. He's he's been an actor for a really long time, and he was on a really weird sitcom. Rebecca Stanton, who has been on Doctor Who, um, and has been in a bunch of stuff. But one of my favorite things that Rebecca Stanton ever did uh, was the superhero show. No heroics. No heroics. Which was I was so going to. Good. I was going to mention as one of my recommendations for tonight because well, part of the show is going to give out recommendations for various things. And I have a list. Excellent. <laughs> there we go. Uh, but but not only that, who is one of the creators of hippies? But Graham Linen. Oh, IT Crowd and 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 Black uh, Books. Black books and, yeah, and many other and Father Ted and many other things. Oh, Father Ted. Hmm. I actually met a. I, when I worked at I worked at a club for a while, and I met a there was a, a guy who came to our show every every single month, who's German who lives in America, and I ended up in conversation with him, and he swore up and down his favorite show of all time was My Hero, with um Ardell God, I am so bad at pronouncing things that I can spell. Ardell O'Hanlon, who was the younger priest on Father Ted. Oh yeah! Oh the the do not wait not 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 no not not Dougal no 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 Dougal Dougal oh it was Dougal Dougal yeah Father Dougal it was Dougal yeah it was Dougal yeah I think it was but he so he was on a show called My Hero where he plays a superhero who's kind of stupid but falls in love with uh, with a a nurse in Britain and um, has to keep his secret identity secret but he's kind of I don't know if he's technically dumb or if he's just not good at being human and then it has um, um it has a bunch of it's 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 hilarious, but it's incredibly dumb. And it was I, it was one of those things where he says, "This is my favorite show ever." Is my hero, and I'm like, really? That's an interesting choice. I mean, it's not a bad show. It's just I could never imagine it would be someone's favorite. Germans do have a rather singular, uh, you know, a rather singular sense of humor. They do, yes, especially the especially the expats. Because they, they, they leave to get more humor. That's true. That's my theory. Oh, no uh, offense to Germans. The wonderful people. Always on time. They uh, Yes. They, uh, I have worked for German companies on and off in my life. Uh, because that's, you know, it's modern life. Um, oh, to bring back to my own, I guess, to bring back some of my own, my own particular history. So we, back in the mid-aughts, before, you know, uh, before streaming... Finally, before bandwidth and streaming, it was a thing where you know you could get pretty much anything for anything, you know, anything through multiple services. Started watching, you know, got really into Doctor Who and was obsessed with it for for like a couple of years to the point where it was, you know, the very, you know, I get very particular monomanias. Shotgun, on one thing yeah, just yeah, yeah, focus on one thing to the point where you know, um, shotgunning Battlestar, you know, catching up on Battlestar, just coming home from work and just wanting to like, okay, we're, we're going to hit through Battlestar season two or, you know, same thing with Doctor Who was just kind of because people were uploading, were uploading Doctor Who's by the season. So like, okay, we're going to start with the, you know, the John Pertwee early 70s stuff and you just go from there. But because this, um, way back when, because stream was not a thing and everybody didn't have streaming, I um but related to Battlestar Galactica being a thing as this would have been this was about 09 or so where in, in Portland the, for the very last season I think either the last season or last half season they would hold public screenings of Battlestar Galactica sh- uh, episodes oh, at the that. Baghdad yeah that was hosted uh, by Court and Fat, Fat Boy yes yeah. um yeah. and and went to several of those had a great time got to ask 
Um, Court or Fat Boy? No, no. Starbucks. Katie. Oh, Katie Sackoff. Got to ask Katie Sackoff. Uh, Katie Sackoff. Because uh, I think she's from Eugene originally, which is or St. Helens, one of the like two. That. I don't know. Things that aren't in my zip code don't make sense to me. So yeah, um, but um, yeah, I got to ask Katie Sackoff a question about working with uh, a couple of the actors there with Donnelly Rhodes and Saul Hogan. Got a great. Re- in fact, I'm either I think somewhere there's a Q and A section of there, and you can like, find me on the on the Q and A of that. But I realized, hey, this would be great. You know, it's kind of. Um, so like they, they, you know, they would fill the. Ba- I mean, they would, they would. Oh the ba- yeah, that yeah, was they would, hugely they, popular. Yeah, they would fill the Baghdad just to you know Friday nights at was it nine or ten? Yeah, and it was it, the Baghdad is not a small theater. No, you it's, it's. I mean, it's got how many do you think it holds? I have no idea. I have no. The bag. Yeah, the Baghdad is is uh, for those not Portlanders is a was a is a kind of a historic. Was it nineteen twenties? Is it twenties so, or like earlier? But kind of you know early twentieth century you know classic theater built in in. Southeast Portland on on Hawthorne and Thirty Seventh. Yes, you know, still has the huge chandelier and it's been restored. Yeah, thank God they and, redid the the sound because the sound used to be terrible, but now the sound is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a balcony, they've got food, they've got beer. You can watch. Yeah, I mean, you could watch Battlestar Galactica and drink beer. Yeah, there we go. With several hundred of your closest friends, mm-hmm. it was pretty awesome. You know, for the longest time, it was the kind of like a classic movie place. Now they they finally upgraded, and I guess they figured the heck with it. So they're they are now primarily first run first run theater. Yeah, for, but still beer. Yeah, there's, there's still beer. I mean, you can, it's you Portland. Know. If you can't get a beer there, it's probably not technically in Portland. Yeah, we um, you know, that's where we wound up and wound up, you know, say the heck with it, and wound up. That's where we went and saw the uh, the latest Star Star Wars flick there. Yeah. Which was, like I said, it was nice and the place was packed and everybody was in a good mood. So there we go. But, you know, anyway, so like I said, they were packing this place for Battlestar Galactica. Now, also, another, you know, another popular show, and this was a popular show back then, kids. I am popping my peas because I don't my my filter up in front of my mic, but whatever. <laughs> um, was this little show called Lost, which thank God I never got into. Oh, yeah. However, because that um, they drew enough of a crowd to hold screenings for that as well. Uh, but uh, you know, I remember going there and thinking, "Hey, this would be really, really cool." And because this is Portland, and because I have, um, you know, I have this internal curse of whenever I find out something cool, of wanting to share it with uh, with other people. I think I know where this is going. Actually, this um, is how we met, isn't it? More than likely. Uh, so it, I went looking around. I'm like, okay, so I, you know can't really hold this you know can't really hold this in uh, the Baghdad but if I can find a bar you know if I can find a bar or a screening room somewhere in Portland I can hold a night where we could all you know hang out and watch Doctor Who and because this is Portland and there there would be enough people to do that and then so I, that is and I'm like okay this would be cool and I can you know thanks to BitTorrent getting access to all these great shows new and old as it were um, you could use this and, you know, just kind of, you know, spread the love. And much like when I was a college DJ of being the, uh, you know, I've always been a better promoter and DJ than I have been like, you know, m- musician or star, you know, it's like, I'm not the best guy doing it, but I'm the best guy at finding it and picking it, uh, you know, being the record selector. I, I'm not going to use the term maven because that's associated <laughs> with a certain author who, um, will best not spoken of aloud right now, but, um, it's the same, it's this, the same kind of thing. So I want, there was the, there used to be. I have no idea if it still exists because I haven't stepped in. I have not stepped inside this place in six years for a good reason that I'm about to tell. But there used to be a dive bar in northeast Portland, right in the in check that northwest Portland, about 
10 blocks north of Powell's, which if you've never been to Portland, Powell's is... The best bookstore on earth. Yes. It, the Powell, Powell's is a bookstore that is about three to four stories tall, roughly the size of a city block. of a, Well, a Portland city block. But you, you head north of there into the heavily gentrified, like... Um, you know, the you know, yuppie town, yuppie section of Portland uh, called the Pearl. There used there there was still this there was still a dive bar there, right by you know I mean, you know a block south of the a block south of the uh, of the streetcar tracks, and they had they had two rooms. You had a main bar room, and then they had a second little like a screening room where they had like you know like a projection screen. Are you going to tell me the name of this because I didn't meet you until the second location? Or are we not mentioning the name? I'm debating whether to mention. Okay, the place was the Lowbrow. Oh, okay, yeah. Full on like hipster dive bar. Oh yeah, uh, and I just wanted to actually narrows hit, it down in Portland to literally all the dive bars. It, well, <laughs> except, well, except the east side. Ex, yeah, except we're the west side. West side, well, except in, in the north side, because yeah. I said it, um, in used to be a lot more dive bars in the northwestern se- section of Portland, uh, but until about ten fifteen years ago, where didn't things start changing? Yeah. Anyway, but I went there and they just said, hey, have another complete conversation about how Portland has changed in the last 15 years, because I can throw down on that, too. But go on. So you were see, showing it lowbrow. Well, no, what? It, yeah, it started at the lowbrow, and because I wanted a, you know, I figured, hey, you know, I, you, I would, I needed a clever title for this night of British TV. So me, being me, decided to call it Jeremy's cleverly titled British TV night. And if you go on Facebook, you can probably still find the original group that I put together for it. And what it was is every other Tuesday, we get together. And screen everything from like, you know, Doctor Who episodes to st- show people like Black Adder or Jeeves and Wooster or, you know, uh, you Fry and Laurie. Yeah, Fry and Laurie. Uh, some of that also, um, also stuff like, um, uh, Mitchell and Webb look. Like I said, this this was about 09. This uh, screen stuff from like uh, two, 2009, 2010. So we screened um, like a lot of Brass Eye and we No Heroics and the very first episodes of Matt Smith's Doctor Who. We were screened it there. But it was a thing where at some, you know, had great times, filled it with the small little like side bar screening room, about 20 odd people, you know, every every two weeks. You know, full of like, you know, just two dozen drunk little geeky punters there to watch stuff up until about and this would have been about summer of 2010, where after one night um, sitting at home, we got a phone call from the day, the day staff of the bar saying, hey, um, you know, I just got to you get a message from the manager. You know, you guys can't hold your screening night here anymore. Like what? Why not? And they're like, well, you're apparently somebody like you know one of your one of your guys like tore down the speaker off the ceiling and caused a lot of damage. I'm like, that no, doesn't wait. sound like. I'm like, what, wait a minute. No, this is. I'm like, what are you talking? You know, what are you talking about? This is like, you know, fifteen to twenty like nerdy Portland kid, uh, you know, people there to just drink alcohol and watch like you know British stuff. Like, what the hell? I was like, well, yeah, there's no, no, no. This is just, so this is so you guys aren't really welcome here anymore. Sorry. Fortunately, uh, I lived, but I was still living way up off of uh, about two miles north of where I currently live or so around the Alberta area. And there was another bar there, an Irish bar, actually, you know, owned and uh, owned and operated by a guy from County Cork. Again, where the thing with, you know, front part was a regular bar and the back part was much more of a kind of a performance area where you know he'd have like Irish folk places come in. This was the Alberta Street Pub. Yeah, I have a friend that actually worked there, so 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they we, had the church pews that we would all sit on the church pews to watch. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then so I'm like, okay, hey, I got kicked out of there. Would it be cool if like, on Tuesday, you know, because like Tuesdays are usually always the off night if I started doing this here. And they're like, sure, okay. And then so we just moved it up here. It was far more, it was far more room, a far better sound system. But because it was not downtown, easily accessible by the mass, tra- well, by the train. And like you actually had to like hop a bus to get up there because it was, you know, instead of being right downtown, it was, a, you know, a good two or three miles away. And got far more complaints about people showing up, but uh, that and there was like you know again you know BitTorrent so like you know the very first episodes of Sherlock you know screened it there, um, you know downtown Downton Abbey screened it there, all sorts you know all sorts of crazy stuff. It was great. I wound up having to about that time I got a job where I had to travel about every week, uh, so I was out of town the beginning part of every week, and it's so it's after a while I could not. Um, Reliably show up. Yeah, I couldn't, yeah. you know, I couldn't. No, and Those I, were dark times. Yeah, I, or, you know, and always, you know, either getting like, you know, conti- always getting substitutes. So at one point, I just, in 2012, I just killed it. And so it's been kind of dead. And even though a couple people asked to like to either take it over and I have at least one person like, yeah, go ahead. And, you know, he's, he's screened some stuff down in, um, down in Milwaukee, in, well, mm. Portland's Milwaukee, as it were, at least once. So, <laughs> but, um, which probably has more of a travel problem than just Alberta did. For, yeah, because Milwaukee, you still have to take a bus for like a half an hour to get there from. Except, uh, but not with the train. Not with the oh, train that's line. Right. There's because, a train there now. Because like the, I said, I don't, tend, I don't tend to leave my zip code unless I'm going overseas. Right, because <laughs> because the uh, the because tri- the orange trimet line now goes down there. We have rat holed into a bunch of Portland stuff. Right, but it was really fascinating. So that's important. There we go. Yep. But that way, and, and so that's that- how we met. Is because you, I think we met at Stumptown Comic Fest, and you handed me a flyer for your cleverly titled British TV night. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, this is like exactly up my alley. And then we went to that a few times and that's, I think that's how we met. Mm-hmm. Yep. And now I'm sitting in your house talking on your mic. There we go. It's a lovely story for everyone. Mm-hmm. So getting into the modern era, what do you, um, should we get into Doctor Who? Um, or do you want to move around? How, like, how I much think do you we want should to fo- move around a bit because, to be fair, you can go online and hear a thousand people talk about Doctor Who. That's true. But you don't hear as many people talk about Green Wing and Black Books and, and stuff like that. There's a couple. There uh, there are a couple. I'm sorry. I'm just self-editing myself because my mother was an English teacher. Um, there are a few that I feel that people should know about that are... Um, Perfect. Yeah. One is called The Indian Doctor. Have you seen that? I have not. I think it's only three seasons, and it's a it's set in a small town in the 50s, and a, a doctor from India and his very beautiful wife come to this town to be the town doctor. And basically, it's a comedy with a bit of drama about the Indian doctor trying to fit in in Britain in the 50s as the doctor, and the hilarious racism that ensues which sounds terrible but it's actually a really sweet and wonderful show um the other one which is not sweet and wonderful but it's fucking awesome suburban shootout nope i have not i have not seen that either okay i have it but it's um it's a british dvd so if you have a a hack if you have a hack dvd player if you want to it's basically i have a a playstation 3 does that count uh sure if it'll play region two awesome Hmm. so suburban shootout has um a bunch of actresses that you probably will recognize even if you don't remember the names 
and it's basically, again, a small town in Britain because 90% of the things in Britain are located in a small town in Britain. Um, and what, that has a, um, a incredibly well-organized and well-armed uh, PTA or WI, depending on how you want to look at it. Mm-hmm. So you've this, and so this new woman moves into town with her husband, who's the new constable, and she meets her neighbors, and her neighbors are these lovely women, and uh, then discovers that there's basically a turf war amongst all of the suburban housewives. And my my husband's favorite part of the entire thing is they're sitting around and they're eating they're eating their finger sandwiches and they're discussing things and having a glass of white wine, and then one of them pulls a giant Tupperware container out from underneath the uh, the coffee table, and it's just full of guns. But it's all carefully organized in Tupperware. It is absolutely fucking hilarious if you can find it. It's Suburban Shootout, and I think there's two seasons of it. At some part, they ended up doing a drug deal for reasons that I still cannot figure out. And it's it's almost like shades of hot bits of hot fuzz. Yeah, in there no. Too. There, when I watched Hot Fuzz, I'm like, oh, there's some there's some there's some Suburban Shootout in that Hot Fuzz show, yeah, or movie. I love the, the whole tr- trilogy. That whole trilogy love look at the other um, edgar wright's cornetto trilogy which of course if you're listening to this you know exactly what you mean i didn't mm-hmm. need to explicate that but um you know it, uh, we, you know we, i try to annotate on the fly when i can think of it um so there's a few other things that um panel shows that i really like one mm-hmm. of them is my favorite is Dara O'Brien's science club have you ever seen that not his actual show only i've seen like the little the clips of him that go viral never has act- didn't know he actually had a panel show so he is actually a mathematician because every smart person in britain who's a comedian is also something super impressive like a lawyer or a doctor so Dara O'Brien is a mathematician but he's also a really really funny comedian and he hosts a science show where um they uh they take they do um they do experiments and they have they have actual scientists. By the way, in Britain, here's a weird interesting thing. In Britain, all the scientists are super hot and all the comedians and actors look like normal people. I have not figured this out yet. It's this amazing thing. But Darrow Green Science Club, really, really good. Um, it's very sciencey and very funny. Um, and I, and uh, let me see what else is on my list. Uh, actually, we may have covered a lot of Peep Show and Michelle and Webb. Armstrong and Miller, obviously. Um, Utopia. Did you watch Utopia? It's not funny at all, not even remotely. It's it's definitely drama. It's sci-fi drama. It's got um, a couple of the guys. Who... Uh, so I I'd always see it listed. I don't think I ever actually. I'd, I've never seen an episode. The weird thing is, if you look at the cover art, it looks like it might be a comedy, just because the one bad guy is so strange looking, and then they put him on the cover, and it honestly looks like he. Well, to be fair, he it looks sort of like. Um, um, the Ricky Gervais with the the guy who works in the in the old folks home. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, um, is that the recent from his recent yeah, series recent, or the most recent one? Which, by the way, is his best stuff. It's really, his best. It was. It's so good. I mean, if you've ever like watched Ricky Gervais and gone, okay, I've I've had enough Gervais on this. He's just mean. Very. I mean, I like Ricky Gervais a lot. But he does have, he's mean-spirited, and it's very embarrassing to watch because you get feel sad for the people, but then you feel angry for them putting in themselves in that position and stuff. Derek. There we go. Derek is so good and so sweet and so funny hmm. and but and so touching that you're like, holy crap, this is Ricky Gervais. It's wow. really good. It's exceptionally good. 
um yeah why do you think why do you think um it's stand or just say it's such a it's so tonally different from everything else that he's been known for in the past i i don't know i almost wonder if he was doing it just sort of to poke at the people who kept picking on him for being rude and obnoxious which he is but maybe he just decided to do something to challenge them and made it so uh derek is a um um mentally challenged man who works at an old folks home and he absolutely loves the old folks and he just loves his job but he's surrounded by uh, you know some weird personalities and some strange people but he's just so incredibly full of love for everyone that no matter how shitty things get he's just his outlook is still wonderful but also hilarious because he he's, he just misunderstands things in certain ways or he just sees things so simply that it's kind of incredibly beautiful and it's wonderful and you watch it and you're like oh shit this is Ricky Gervais he can do real shit not just you know you know running jokes on extras or whatever mm-hmm. I absolutely love it so recommend two big thumbs up two big two big thumbs up for Derek mm-hmm. surprising it was one of those things where I just I think I was just, the advance, either advanced word or advanced marketing for that just kind of made me just kind of sh- just shy off so much that just kind of just never really investigated further. Well, the other thing was that there was a bunch of bad press at the beginning before anyone really saw it saying, how dare he play okay, a yeah, mentally challenged it. person? That'll do it. Yeah. And he's like, have you fucking watched it? And they're like, no, but we're angry at you because you're a jerk. And I'm like, well, yeah, OK, he's a jerk. But, you know watch shit before you start having an opinion which is a nerd problem um but yeah no he, he got a lot of shit for playing you know a mentally challenged person but he plays it very respectfully and very kindly and sweetly and it's i like i said it's the best thing he's done wow all right and on that note let us take another quick break and we'll be right back So I had two others that I wanted to bring up. All right, we are t- we are discussing recommendations, and your or rather your particular picks. Yes, um, and these ones are both kind of cheesy and silly and almost kind of broy, because they have uh, because they have this one of the same guys in it. Um, but uh, Fresh Meat, uh, which is a, a sitcom, not even so much a sitcom. I mean, it's a sitcom, but it's a comedy about a bunch of college freshmen who live together in a house. I and think I have like a season of that sitting on my hard drive. I don't think I've actually watched it's it. It's a little painful in it's a little bit painful to watch in that we were all that guy when we were 19. Um and it's also like it's just a sitcom comedy of errors, but it's also really fucking funny. Mm-hmm. Um and it's it's a little it's not like as an example. Do y'all remember Clarissa, Clarissa explains it all? Don't get me wrong, I absolutely love her, but she managed to get all the way through high school with a boy sneaking in through her window, never had sex, never did drugs, never got arrested, never, you know, even got grounded, I don't think. On camera. Oh, well, on camera, yeah. But, um, so it wasn't exactly a realistic version of what a teenager is like. This is way realistic, like, lots of drugs, lots of booze, lots of sex, lots of, you know, like, I'm broke, so all I can eat today is pasta. It's, it's actually kind of really funny that way and it's got some interesting personalities um you know like the the poor kid the entitled kid the rebel girl and it's 
Um, how, do, how does it line up with, say, um, Paul Feig's um, student comedies, TV shows? Like a raunchier version of Freaks and Geeks, I would say. All right. Um, and a little bit like, uh, um, not Friday Night Dinner, but the one that the guy, the, there's a like, crossover between Friday Night Dinner and... Um, Oh, I'm not going to remember that. So let's just move along. The right, other then. one is Bad Education, and it's about a very young teacher in a in a, like a kind of shitty school. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I'm going to have to look up his name because I am completely blanking on it because I'm a fucking professional. Um, um, he's this very young comedian who is managed to be really successful, and also he's just like sort of this dopey. You know, sort of privileged, broy white boy, but you're kind of, he's very endearing. Um, fresh meat, I'm looking it up online because I should have written it down already. And evidently, his father is also a writer, so he's uh, kind of got the historical awesomeness. And it's, I'm just wasting time now, so you can edit all of this out while I'm Googling. Dun. What's an edit? <laughs> an edit is when you, you uh, go in and you try to make me not sound like an idiot. Okay. Okay. What a, what a novel concept. I, I know, that I know. Before. We're going to have to do that because otherwise people are just going to sit there going, oh my God. So we're listening to this girl not be able to remember anything. Well, fuck. So it's not loading. Well, okay. So Fresh Meat is about a very young uh, high school teacher who is. Not, no, not Fresh Meat, Bad Education. Oh, Bad Education. Sorry. Bad Education is. Which I think is a Joan Jett song? No, that's Bad. Ba- that's, that's. Oh, yeah. Bad. bad uh, that's bad reputation. reputation. Yeah. Sorry. I think bad ed- bad education is a joke on that. But um, it's about this goofy guy who's basically too much of a child to be a teacher, but he's a teacher, and it's 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 actually kind of adorable, and it's it's also kind of like, you know, a little more realistic in that you know the kids aren't all perfect, and they don't all learn a lesson by the end of the se- the show and stuff like that. So, um, and Coolio did the theme song. <laughs> yes, and Michelle. Um, to be fair, she was she was also a French cartoonist. Yes. Um, can I bring up my one of my all time favorite movies that is British and is really funny? No. No. Okay. Never mind. Hmm. Yes, you may. The favor of the watch and the very big fish. Have you seen it? I have not. It is spectacular. It's a little hard to find. You can rent it on Amazon streaming. It does not exist on DVD. It exists on eBay on Laserdisc. It's uh, Jeff Jeff Goldblum. Okay. um, um, And um, the guy we mentioned, Bob Hoskins. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And a woman whose name I suddenly can't remember because that seems to be the theme of the show. The show is called Mary Suzanne Can't Remember Things that she came here to talk about. Um. So Bob Hoskins' character is a photographer who specializes in um, making uh, devotional photos. So he dresses people up as saints and he like puts some sheep around them and puts a nice background and takes pictures of them and makes devotional photos. He's been looking and looking and looking for his perfect Jesus. Meanwhile, Jeff Goldblum is a pianist who gets who falls in love with this uh, waitress and then right before they're finally going to sleep together, um, they have a huge fight. He ends up getting in, in the restaurant. He sets someone on fire. It's, it's, a, it's a whole slapstick comedy thing. He goes to jail. 
he comes out of jail a few years later and he's got long hair and he's like tromping around not knowing what to do with himself so jeff goldblum basically looks like jesus he walks past uh bob hoskins um shop and bob hoskins runs out and goes you you're jesus and he, he puts him up on this and he takes and so he ends up by being jesus in devotional photos developing a very serious christ complex and it is absolutely phenomenal and wonderful and hilarious and it's it's also one of those movies where like six different stories are happening but you know that they're all the same story but the people in it don't know into the very very last minute that this was all interconnected it's absolutely wonderful the and once again the film the film title is the favor the watch and the very big fish yes which according to IMDb came out about 91 starring uh, the aforementioned Bob Hopkins, Jeff Goldblum, Natasha Richardson. There you go. The late, great, wonderful, beautiful Natasha Richardson. She was Liam Neeson's wife? Liam Neeson's wife, yes. Died on the skiing accident. Oh, that was so horrible. Whose unfortunate, t- untimely death caused him to, um, I guess, become an action an action star. Really? Well, the, or at least at some point after her, yeah, she that's died. Right. He didn't do action movies until after she died. Yeah, it's pretty much it. she died, and then at some point he decided to, um, you know, they get in it for the money, or or just want to start beating people, beat people up on screen, <laughs> you know. Also, looking through the IMDb, one of these co-stars is um, an actress named Angela Pleasance, daughter of the uh, daughter Pleasance. of the president of the United States, Donald Pleasance. Ah. Which president of the United States? We have You're the any. Duke. You're the Duke of New York. You're the Duke. <laughs> You're the Duke. Anyway, oh, sorry. man. I still want to watch. I, I need to rewatch the second one because, again, it, not British, but literally anything with Bruce Campbell. And Bruce Campbell is in the second one. The, se- the, the second Escape from New York film, Escape from L.A., we were referring to, I saw at the theater summer of 96 because it did have, you know, because, you know, a fan of the first, it also, it had Bruce Campbell, so sure, why not? Mm-hmm. And that's about the, the end of what we will uh, say about that. <laughs> that's fair. Um, although the Hollywood theater is showing Escape from New York very, very soon, oh. if not this particular weekend, which is probably you know, uh, you know too late for any of you listening to this to it. But the um, you know the, the one of the benefits of living in Portland is that we are plush with um, nerds who have access to movie theaters. Right. Yeah. yeah. Several revi- revival houses that um, are just soaked through with alcohol. Yeah. There's a reason why everyone here. At least if you're of a certain age and or lifestyle, you are between 20 and 50 pounds overweight, thanks to beer. My friend, uh, uh, my friend uh, who's a DJ, he used to do the video night at Beulah, one of our favorite places, um, also puts together a bunch of retro stuff. Like he did a night of just like reruns of um, of uh, Miami Vice intercut with actual, you know, ads from TV ads from that time period. Oh, yes. Yeah. He does Phantom Hillbilly. Yeah, I love Phantom Hillbilly. Love that guy. He's awesome. Every I, he knows me well enough that every time I walk into the room and he's DJing, the next song is either Alice Cooper or uh, Merciful Fate, and I'm like, yes, good to know the DJ. Uh, my particular recommendations, again, from I have not been. I guess I have not been keeping up on, you know, you know, newly imported shows as much as I used to. Um, but because we live in the time of the Internet, 
some of these shows are very, very easily accessible, you know, through Netflix or Amazon or CISO is actually a very good deal. That's true. They've CISO a, has yeah, they several... got a lot of especially old British stuff. That's true. I have not I have not yet I have not yet tried CISO out. It's the not the amount of shows that are on there, uh, you're kind of I think like what is it like five bucks a month or is it it's four bucks a month, I think. I don't know. I bought it as soon as it came out. Oh, because okay. Harmontown is gonna be on it. Oh right! Yeah. Well, isn't that or the Harmon Quest? Is on yeah, I was say it's Harmon Quest, which I believe is the. Holy shit! That's funny. <laughs> my uh, my husband is not a fan of Dan Harmon, and he cannot stop laughing when he watches Harmon Quest. It's really good, especially if you're a D and D nerd. Did you see Harmon Town when it came in in uh, taped oh, in Portland? Oh my yes! I got well, not even know that's just that one. No, but it was a couple times. No, you had the Harmon Town, the first Harmon Town tour, which was. 2012 i think when he was you know right after he had lost he'd gotten kicked off of community and was at at helium the helium portland yeah, uh, local comedy club i didn't see him at the helium one i saw him at the hollywood Theater i was there one. that night that was when he was you know chugging out of a bottle of 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 local portland distiller new deal vodka huh? a large you know just chugging from a uh, a fifth like bottle of that <laughs> shirtless on stage wearing um wearing a GoPro attached to his forehead. Oh, God, I forgot about he went through the GoPro forehead phase for a while. Oh, yeah. I saw him on after uh, after the on the the one at Hollywood Theater for, I think it was Comedy Fest, Stumptown Comedy Fest, and the only claim to fame I can say for that is that I got a drunken hug from him at the end. I, uh, I have, I have also got, uh, remind me after this, I'll show you when I got, when I got the drunken hug from him at Bridgetown 2014. I feel like those are the only kind of hugs you really get from him. Right. I love him. Bless his heart. I hope he gets another liver someday because you know his is doing some heavy lifting. So um, in the other uh, in the other realm of things that are vaguely British, but also kind of not, but also are. Or at least, the, yeah, we're into the recommendation yes. section of the podcast, which is... Um, which is where we lose our shit and just start screaming things at each other. Right. A lot less formulaic. Yes. Um, podcasts. Uh, Greg Proops. The uh, the uh, smartest, smartest man, man in the world. world. Obsessed with that. I love it so much. I've seen it live like four times. The first time I ever saw him live was in London, actually. I kind of rearranged my entire travel schedule so that I could be in London that night. And then I took off the next morning to Istanbul. But um, and if you if you actually listen to it, the show that he recorded before he went off to Belgium and had that huge story about like getting lost and there's this horrible trip to Belgium on a train. I, at the same time, was having a horrible trip to Istanbul on a train. So that's exactly when that happened. Um, but It sounds like a Cure song. A horrible trip to Istanbul on a train? Right. Yeah. I mean, a Cure, more like a... Um... Standing in the sea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, he is absolutely wonderful. He also does uh, the Greg Proops Film Club, where he uh, his wife, who is kind of my idol, because she's so brilliant, um, she picks a lot of the movies and then they... They discuss it for about a half an hour, and then everybody watches the movie, and then they come back and they discuss it for another half an hour. And it, he picks really good movies. Um, like sometimes he picks old black and white movies, and then a few couple months ago he did Clueless because why not? Uh, he, I listened to that podcast, especially when he had first started it as like a. I can't remember if it was like a separate show or not, or just kind of like a special event that would pop up in his regular feed. But for example, like he would on the he would record his intros i guess you know his present you know him being presenter you know uh intro and outro for the uh, like i can remember for the in, movies for mean? the films yes yeah. um 
in particular his for the big sleep which was always fun which is like him both relating how much he loved the film and you know going through his 1930s 1940s dictionary of slang and just luxuriating <laughs> it great groups also matching up for uh, again in terms of how in America we were starved for British TV for the longest time. But if you were, say, a college student or had Comedy Central in the 90s, not only did you know did you have access to, say, Absolutely Fabulous, which apparently was Comedy Central's, like, biggest, not the not necessarily the, you know, the most hardcore fans, but definitely I think that was, like, the biggest ratings they had before South Park, even though MST3K, which was more of my thing, yep. Had the bigger friend, but you had absolutely fabulous. And whose line is it anyway? anyway. Original British whose line? They're still doing like they do Fringe Festival. They do like a whole week of whose line with a lot of the original people. We he's uh, whose line is the current whose line setup is coming to Portland. I have tickets already. Um, I think in September, and it's going to be Greg Proops, um, Ryan Styles. Colin Mockery and somebody else who's always on and I can never remember his name. Jeff oh, Davis, Jeff Davis is who is co-star slash host of, of Harmontown. And, and so everything comes together like a circle. Greg Proops has been on Harmontown and when they play D&D, he plays a character who's a unicorn called Tylenol Codeine. Wrapping this all neatly up in a little bow. So, but the other thing I was going to say about uh, about podcasts is the BBC has a bunch of really great comedy podcasts. You get like um, the Friday Night Comedy, which uh, swaps between one of three things. One is a news quiz. One is um, just sort of a, is the Now Show, which is a, you know, just a really funny show with sketches about the news. Mm-hmm. And then the other is, um, uh, oh, um, uh, 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 do you remember back in the 80s they had the... Um, the puppets that looked spitting the pu- image spitting image it's like that or if you are old the- enough and remember DC Follies their attempt at doing an American oh, show God, I remember that hosted by Fred Willard which would air oh, man, either Fred after Willard. if you depending on what, what market you were in aired either right before or right after SNL yes Yes, I remember that. <laughs> Pop culture used to be a lot weirder, weirder, and served up in weirder forms and weirder venues than it is now, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Oh, and we or used children to have to audience. go to VH1 and MTV in order to get comedy. Before we had, you, know, you kids today, you don't understand. We had to walk uphill in the snow both ways with glass in our shoes just to see the young ones. Oi. Um, Rosie O'Donnell used to be a presenter on VH1, especially uh, for their other comedy stuff. That's how odd the mid-late 80s were. San Francisco comedy in the 80s was pretty amazing. Because there was a... I mean, we can have a whole other show on the migration of of Boston comics, and then suddenly it was San Francisco comics, and then it was New York comics, and then it's L.A. comics, and then it all kind of exploded and went outwards. Um, But... The other thing I was going to say is there are some great uh, comedy uh, on BBC podcasts and BBC download radio stuff. There are comedy half hour radio shows mm-hmm. like um, there's one called At Home with the Snails, which is har- Sounds about impossible right. to impl- explain. And then there's also uh, some where it's um, Rahilistapa. Have you heard that? Uh, Richard Spell Herring. Spell that? Rahilistapa. It's Richard Herring's. It's a long. Uh, oh, is that the um? Is and that he, like his like live interview show yes, or? And the, it's it. He, he gets really great uh, British comedians and interviews them, and they nerd out about comedy. And I just I love if you like the whole technical aspect of you know how you how you get to a joke and how you build your set and how you get your 
how you get your comedy and where it all comes from, that is a Hillistapaz really good. So it's a bit more technical than just standard like comedians talking about comedy. Yeah. And then there's one called The Comedian's Comedian, which is also pretty good. And that's also British. So yeah, go on, just go on iTunes or wherever and look for BBC comedy and you will get a treasure trove and you will learn lots of, it's, it's so much fun to hear what British people think of America on a comedy show. <laughs> on a related note, my, uh, a couple of podcast recommendations from me and a recent addition to the max fun network is the beef and dairy network. Uh, which is a podcast, as they describe themselves as, the number one podcast for those involved or just interested in the production of beef animals and dairy herds. That's specific. Oh, yes. No, it is very much... It is... Um, is it real or is it... Oh, no. It's, 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 it's But it sounds real enough to the point that they actually have to mention... Oh, by the way, this is a pod, comedy podcast. It is very much like... It's almost like you're listening to like an English farm report, only they talk to various... Um, like you know, specialists and herders and ranchers and whatnot in England, who are all you know, you know, all English comedians, pretty much. I think it, so. It, it's like a funny version of the Archers, kind of. I have never seen an episode of the Archers. Oh, it's radio. So oh, okay, you yeah. Have seen it. But it's, if but you it's saw part, it, I'd be impressed. Yeah, you know, oh, I saw it live. No, it, it, the vast majority of it is you know is improvised. But it's kind of a thing because it's it's one of those things where, you know, we're you know we are Americans with American podcast subscriptions, which are you know, you know they have as as I've mentioned before have their standard orbits in only a handful of cities. It's so it's kind of fun to to hear English improvised comedy, and so that is the Beef and Dairy Network, which I believe if you go to I think it's max maximumfun.org, dot org, you uh, you know the same website that hosts Jordan Jesse Go and a thousand others. Including my personal favorite podcast, The Flop House, uh, they are all on that same network. Another uh, recommendation is especially for uh, this again for in terms of podcast. You know, it's not exactly British TV, but it's certainly British comedy. Is a show called Wooden Overcoats, which oh, I yeah, just you were just I, telling me about that today. I just found out about it today, and let me let uh, pardon me one moment. Let me actually look up the actual description. Wooden Overcoats is very much a. Um, there we go. Yeah, it is. You could, uh, they just they just concluded their their successful Kickstarter to help cover the uh, the production for another eight episodes for their second season and a Christmas special. Ooh, cool. The show is best described as if you go, you know, woodenovercoats dot com. Call it, you know, it's effectively it's a British radio comedy, only it's a podcast. It is about dueling dueling funeral directors <laughs> in a small little like kind of English island town. Anything set in a small English town, just just watch it on principle. Or, you know, consume it, I guess. Yes, or consume it, yes. There was another one that I was going to say. Oh, well, there's also um, the uh, Infinite Monkey Cage, obviously, which is really good. There's also a very old show from, like, God, six, seven, eight, nine years ago called Seymour the Fractal Cat. And it's very bizarre and very weird. Excellent. And Greg Proops is the voice of Seymour, bringing it all back, tying it all in a bow. Boom. Greg Proops' vo- voice work for the longest time was a very strange and varied thing to the point where if you find, I do not remember what the, I remember what year it came out, I do not remember what the title was, Greg Proops narrated a documentary about Philip K. Dick that the BBC did, yes. or maybe Channel 4, I can't remember, but I one of the channels did. I've heard of that, but I've never actually... It's on, it came out in 94, 
it but it was um it was like this this awesome like british document they they talked to like Brian Aldous and Terry Gilliam and don't think Douglas Adams was on there even though he would have been alive like you know made in like 94 but it was when Greg Proops was still live was still on you know who's line still living in britain still living yeah. in london yes yeah, he lived in London for, I think he says on, on his podcast he lived there for about four years. He did, um, he did the voice, the, he did the American voice, American voice on, um, Thomas the Tank Engine. Really? And I believe that, between that and, uh, and whose line is why he was living in, in, in England for so long. Oh, okay. Also, he just is sort of vaguely English on his own. I wonder if I can just hold this up here. No. <laughs> my little pop filter just kind of is now handheld because I can't find a proper fitting, oh, fitting yeah. for it out. Uh, my particular, my also recommendations for, my recommendations for British television, again, like going back to the stuff is either streamable or available through perhaps on disc or less than legal sources. Let us say, going uh, in what is still strangely trenchant today, and I believe now, and well, actually, it's it, the show is now old enough that entire episodes are on YouTube. Is a show called Brass Eye. Chris Morris, uh, kind of, how would you describe Chris Morris? Satirist, I guess. At one point, you know, got got his start from making from doing both kind of like you know, like kind of fake satirical news, both on TV and radio. Put out this mid-90s mocking uh, you know news magazine series called Brass Eye which I can remember you know st- you know some of the stuff would still still very much holds up especially there was an episode that he did all about drugs where one of the bits they filmed was you he went up to a drug dealer on the streets of London and just started asking him if he had you know just Start, you know, if he had various drugs that were all like, you know, completely fake names, and just say, "You have any of this?" You know, like, you know, Donna's Disco. Do you have any Donna's Disco? And just like continually like bugging, you know, annoying the de- annoying this dealer on the street with like, the you know request for just like the most ludicrous names of drugs until they got you know it might just go away. I'm not, you know, I don't have any time for you. <laughs> Um, also, they, they came up with a, a fake drug by the name of Cake and got as many celebrities and MPs as they could to record um, PSAs against against, against this comp- completely oh, made fantastic. up drug. You know, it's it's great. It's like I said, it's called Brass Eye. He uh, he later um, he later made a uh, a follow up special episode about uh, all about pedophilia, where Simon, a very young. Not young, but a younger and very red-haired Simon Pegg uh, shows up as an, in a cameo as a pedophile who um, Chris Morris brings his son on there. Is like, you know, and you know, taunts the pedophile. Was like, well, this is my son. You know, do you think he's attractive? Huh? Huh? What if he you know brings out this paddle, starts paddling you with it? It's it's good fun. Um, Chris Morris later would go on to make a co- would would join forces with another great satirist, Talking Head. Um, comedy writer by the name of Charlie Brooker and made a show which is best described as uh, the show was broadcast in 05 before smartphones right before YouTube but predicted everything called Nathan Barley and from Nathan Barley from Nathan Barley which is like I said, very um, deliberately, like the two of them had been working in, in kind of London media long enough and had known so many like just the, the worst London like hipster asshole types that could they, they could possibly. So they just just they threw it. They combined forces, threw it all into the show and the title character 
who would later, after he'd gained 30 pounds, got to be older, would later go on and star in the, the, the show that we had mentioned earlier, uh, earlier tonight called No Heroics. Uh, because, like, again, London is that mm-hmm. small. Mm-hmm. Nathan Barley is everything of, like, mocking all of like, the very cutting-edge, again, the, you know, the cutting-edge media hipster types from, you know, um, from, like, this, it's, it's from the mid-aughts, but, you know, it's I can remember the kind of people that I would meet either in Ann Arbor or Detroit or Portland were exactly <laughs> the same. I'm going to write that down. It is, yeah, like I said, it's kind of, and it just, the main character is kind of, is, works for a, a magazine that is very, very, very close to what Vice used to be. So it's a little like, uh, like W1A, a little bit maybe, or, except that, well, that's going to, and if we start going down that rabbit hole, we're going to be here all night, and it's really freaking hot in here, so. Yeah. So I'm going to tap out pretty soon before I sweat to death. Okay, there's that. Uh, another, but Charlie Brooker is still out there, still doing stuff. He most notably came, comes out with a show that is now on uh, Netflix called Black Mirror, oh, which is him doing. So um, Black Mirror is not entirely comedy, more like it's, dark if it's humor. Comedy, it's incredibly dark. Oh, dark as hell! It's very much him doing but like it's it's a. Uh, Horrible things that could happen with technology, basically. Yeah, it's yeah. effectively him doing. Like, it's br- dark and British, and it's his doing like a dark British satirical or farcical somewhere the between the concepts two. are hilarious, but the show, the actual execution, gives you nightmares. It's Twilight Zone. It's oh, his version. So good. It's very bent Twilight Zone. Oh yeah. Um, he also does a he also does his a weekly news commentary show called either Newswipe or Screenwipe. Or once in a while, you know, every every year or two, he'll come up with a, a little special about like the hit, you know, that year's video games called Games Wipe. So yeah, that, that's again some of my recommendations: Brass Eye, Charlie, you know, anything Charlie Brooker does, Nathan Barley, Black Mirror, No Heroics, and the last thing that Charlie Brooker decided to do another satirical show, which is very much a hit. Is like him and a couple of his friends. They wanted to do their own version of Police Squad and Naked Gun, only updated for the 21st century. They call it Touch of Cloth. (gasps) Yes, I have seen that, and it has um, what's her name who was in uh, the Doctor's Wife, the episode of the Doctor's Wife that I have the tattoo from. Also, and in the uh, Darren Boyd is in it. Yep, and I believe at one point. It's absolutely ridiculous. Oh, also, uh, we mentioned before uh, Julian Royce. Riz Tuff? Yes. He plays, we'll he, he is the, yeah, he is the psychotic police captain. He's in it. Karen Gillian is in the third season. It is, it is. is the, the guy from, uh, the guy from Jekyll. Isn't James it? Nesbitt. Yes. Isn't James Nesbitt in it too? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. It is very much like you take the, you take the, uh, Zucker, you know, classic era of Zucker, Abraham Zucker, but the, the density of jokes, both audible and visual into this, it, the, the show is very much kind of like mocking, like modern, you know, you know, heavily forensic, heavily technical police procedural, except, you know, about this like modern tortured, very Hugh Laurie house like, you know, like it's a tortured detective, which are, there's a bit more, there's a few more of those shows over in England than there are here. Again, uh, well, I mean, the name of the show is called Touch of Cloth. And which I is think a, we all know what that. Yeah, which is. Which Hopefully is, we you, all know what that. Yeah, means. a euphemism that we don't exactly employ here as much, but you kind of get the joke. It is, um, I don't I have Google no idea if, if you don't know. Yeah, I don't know if it's this, it, where it's available streaming. 
I I downloaded it. So. Yeah, I downloaded it too. It's great. There's 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 at least three. There are three seasons of it, and it is uh, it is extremely worth checking out. It's all, like I said, all Charlie Brooker stuff. I want to thank my guest Mary Suzanne in our uh, summer uh, unaced uh, Portland basement apartment. Uh, Mary, uh, where can folks reach you if they need to? Oh, I I tend to stay on my couch and watch TV. So uh, fair enough. Yeah, um, I don't know. Ask him. <laughs> uh, Chaftastic Jinx on uh, on Twitter, I guess, is the only way that you can really poke me. And if you say something horrible, I'll block you. So you know, be nice. Excellent. And if you have been it's on Twitter, uh, I am reachable at giving the mic, all one word, lowercase. Or if you want to email the show, you can email us at giving the mic at gmail.com. And with that, I'd like to thank Mary Suzanne, my guest tonight, for an little subject. Thank you for having me. Uh, thank you for coming over and uh, putting up with the weather and uh, our recording situation, as it were. And without that, I think that is pretty much it. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Good night. Digress. That which will happen. Hey, and we're back. Hello, I, we're back. I think which reminds me, I think one of these is I need to sample the uh I need to sample that line from Kentucky Fried movie. <laughs> and we're back. I have um Dr. Katz, Jonathan Katz, mm -hmm. has a podcast and, and he starts every podcast with and we're back. <laughs> Perfect. Just adorable. I love Dr. Katz. I wanted to which the one of the things I always wanted to do was kind of get that get the sound effect of the of the piano playing at the end of each episode. So whenever you know I go see my talkie shrink and like you know it's kind of the end of the episode just, like, just the end of the season well, you just know like what that music that, means. Well, you know what the music means. <laughs> you hear music? Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was such a great show. I have that on DVD too if you ever need to I have turned at least I think Three professional uh, therapists slash psychologists onto that show from uh, my the one that I had when I was an undergrad during the late nineties, you know, until now because you know it, nice. It helped that Comedy Central ran it eight times a day yeah. for the longest time. Plus Squiggle Vision, and plus it had uh, H. John Benjamin, and right. And I mean, I know this is not a British thing, but guys, anything with H. John Benjamin, anything at all. John Benjamin has a van, Archer. Yeah, they Bob's anything, Burgers, Bob's Burgers, anything Squiggle Vision, even including like Science Court. Yeah, it's um, yeah.